Hey everybody and welcome to the 34th episode of the Open One podcast and today I'm joined by Lawrence Johns from the Mankind Project and I actually met someone who's been working there I was speaking with Mart Wenner who he speaks very very highly of this organization I was just hearing his stories and how he's been involved with it and I could feel the the passion and how this has clearly had a huge impact on Mark's life so it felt natural to reach out to Lawrence Johns and we're going to get into what the Mankind Project is about and also I have some really uh, interesting questions about masculinity and men in general so I'm really looking forward to getting into all of that so hi Lawrence welcome to the show. Great yeah looking forward to getting into it. So do you want to just give a bit of an introduction to yourself? Uh, uh, the Mankind Project has been going for 40 years internationally um, I'm the training and outreach director of the Mankind Project here um, in the UK and Ireland. Uh, I've been doing that since 2016. Um, and like most people in their journeys into men's personal development, um, I, ca I came to it through desperation um, and uh, attended what we call the New Warrior Training Adventure, um, which is really the sort of the flagship of the Mankind Project. That's traditionally people's way in it's a three-day experiential workshop and um and i'm sure that's the experience that that martin's told you about um and it's it's quite an amazing experience i done mine in 2002 uh, and then started volunteering within the mankind project and became a men's group leader in 2005 and um my background i have quite an entrepreneurial background and in 2016 um, we became a, a charity in the UK and they needed someone to kind of jump in and kind of head that up and um, help take the work we do further out to men. And it just seemed like a good fit of me getting involved in that way then. Uh, and that's that's really how I got involved. Yeah, right. Uh, that's incredible. I didn't actually know that this has been going on for 40 years. So it must be, you know, really really touching a spot here with, with men and uh yeah we're the we're, we're the oldest men's specific personal program in the world wow that's quite a title impressive yeah it's good we're the ogs yeah <laughs> yes uh, and you can see on the on the website there's a there's a wall of testimonials that just goes on and on and on of all these different people that have gone through this and had a, a really positive experience so it's really awesome to hear about this. So you said you'd done your first uh, session in 2002. How, how was that? 2002. Yeah, yeah I mean, that's amazing. I mean, uh, we call it internally, we call it the NWT. Uh, and that, that stands for the New Warrior Training Adventure. And um, it's a, a three-day experiential program of individual and group experiences that really... Um, encourages you to look at every aspect of your life life physically mentally emotionally spiritually in in a way i would say helps break down ideas of restrictive beliefs and models of masculinity that we may have around us and and, and then a chance to kind of build it up in a way that suits us more individually rather than the sort of what we what we have to be and and that's been running since as i said that that particular training has been running largely the same since 1984 i believe they run the first one um and uh three men made that up rich tofi tosi uh bill kauf and rich tosi 
Bill Kauf. And my name's got, gone blank on the other man. Um, and they started the program really from a need to bring men together and that they could see there was a, a great, uh, Ron Herrin. That's the man I knew it would come to me. Um, and really from that, they'd been very, it's an interesting story. Actually, they'd been very involved in, uh, the feminist movement. All of their wives were feminists and they, they kept meeting at feminist rallies. And Bill Cow famously tells a story that he looked around and he was like, wow, these women are really sort of getting together. And, there's a real sense of community here and a, a real sense of trying to see what, what um, femininity can mean to them, what being a woman means to them. And um, he was like, who's going to make something like this for the men? And he tells a story that as he was sort of pointing his finger, he felt his finger sort of coming back to himself. <laughs> and he was like, yeah. all right, if, if it's to be, it's up to me. And um, based on the book that they'd all read, I and John, they took a lot of, influence from Robert Bly's Iron John and put a weekend together, which was called the wild man adventure. Um, and that apparently needed quite a lot of changing, but they changed it very soon. And it came to something largely the same as what you would do today. So it's really been running for about 40 years. And I think that the only reason I make some emphasis on the time is I think that stands as a, a testimony testimony to how effective that it is as a weekend experience absolutely and you, you're spot on man like there was obviously a huge uprising of the feminist movement and uh i think it's really quite noble of them to look at themselves and think okay there's nothing here for men what can we do to, to yeah. fix that that's that's awesome and so Indeed. is there more to the project itself outside of this weekend sure runs? so we um it, the organization itself is quite interesting. So um, we call ourselves uh, a brotherhood of educational training centers. Uh, and what that means is that there's no big umbrella organization. We, we all the, all the leadership is comes down locally to, to communities. So the Nordic have a community. So can and have one. Germany have one. Um, with throughout Europe and indeed throughout the world. Um, and so each centre will do things slightly differently in terms of offerings outside of the NWTA. The NWTA is largely the same throughout the world. Um, but in the UK and Ireland, we do things called connecting groups, which are uh, free online groups that men can join. And that's a really way of taking the work that we do out to reach more men that haven't necessarily done the training and expose them to what it's like to sit in circle with other men and in a place where we can be, we can share um, without fear of rejection really, and, and, and be welcomed. And, but also, and I think more importantly, one of the, the sort of key pillars of the mankind project and that we do on the weekend is we encourage men to uh, develop a personal mission personal mission statement about how they live their life and that mission statement has really inspired hundreds and hundreds of men to go out and well thousands of men now to go out and live their lives differently but also to start other organizations so a lot of the men's organizations you will see around now if you look at them 
A lot of their men got their introduction to men's personal development through the Mankind Project. So we kind of exist as a catalyst, really, for men's work. And we hope that that ripples out. And, and the evidence is that it does. So we really try and change the world one man at a time by getting him in contact with himself and in contact with a mission bigger than himself. So can you give a bit of an example of what a, a personal mission statement might look like? Yeah, I can give you I can give you my personal mission statement. Yeah, if you wouldn't mind. Which sure. is I create a joyful world of abundance and awe-inspiring community by loving you exactly as you are, myself exactly as I am, and by choosing to be magnificent, powerful, and present right now. Nice man. It's concise, powerful. Love that. And it becomes a compass for how I live my life. So how would that play out in say your day-to-day life? This this you say it's your compass to navigate life. How does that play out day to day? I mean, on a very real term, you know, an opportunity comes my way, for example. I'm in two minds whether I should do it. Do I want to do this thing? Let's have a look. Think about it. Is it helping me create community? Is it yeah, if it's helping me create community, why not go and do it? And and it also so it helps me decide what to do. And it also, if you flip that on its head, right, which is I create a rancid world of isolation by killing the king in you, by killing the king in me and deciding to be small, pathetic and powerless, um, which is my shadow mission, which is the opposite of that mission. Then it, it acts as a barometer of how I don't want to behave. So it constantly stands as a compass in my life to help me decide, am I moving towards my mission in this behavior or am I moving towards my shadow mission in this behavior? And that's what I mean by it serves as a sort of true north to help me make decisions, to help me be willing to challenge my own behavior and and the behavior of others. That's powerful because I don't know if you saw that recent video of the man taking down the British flag and there's okay so uh they've got the pride flag and then you've got the british flag underneath it and uh okay i've got nothing against lgb or whatever once you get past that i think it gets a little strange but never mind the the, the guy is like there's a video and he's taking down the flag and the man recordings like you're taking down the wrong flag and the guy's like i know but then he still takes down the flag and throws it on the floor and i'm like wow, if there was only more people that were living like you are living with this, you know, true north, as you put, and actually living in alignment with, I guess, higher values, this this man would never have taken down that flag. He would never would have done that, right? Because it sort of goes against what he knows is not the right thing to be doing, but he's still doing it because of fear, essentially. Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, I can't comment on that one because I don't know, but I certainly know through my own life that... um there's been lots of times I've done the wrong thing, you know, and, and if if I look back on it, largely I've ended up doing the wrong thing because of fear. Yeah. Um, you know, um, and that's how it plays out. And, and the only way that, well, we know from the idea of courage, you know, if we think of the word courage, courage means to feel fear, but do it anyway. Right. Because it's the right thing to do. That's what being courageous is. People think being courageous means that you're fearless, but being courageous means that I'm very aware of the fear, I'm very aware of the danger, but I'm going to do it anyway because it's the right thing. Um, and so 
be, being able to connect with something bigger than me and a purpose bigger than myself helps me be courageous um, because I, I don't matter so much in that scenario because I'm in service of something bigger to, than me. So if I can, can find a way to be courageous, that means that I've got more chance when I'm, when I'm facing fear to be able to make the right decision that is in line with my values rather than a knee-jerk reaction um, through some perception of what an unknown future may look like. And then do you have any perhaps recent examples or really like monumental examples of when you've had to tap into courage to overcome something? Um, yeah, I mean, the I'm not sure if it's courage, but uh, this time last year, my mum was dying and she, um, she had cancer. She had cancer and uh, I'd like to move back to my childhood home um to to live with her to become her full-time carer and i didn't really have we had, we had a complicated relationship um because i felt often that she would use she'd, she'd used my love of her as a kind of and my need for acceptance from her especially as i was growing up as a kind of um a tool really to get what she wanted or to make me behave a certain way or and so I ended up resenting that quite a lot as I got older and I, I rebelled against that. I kind of shut that part of me down that needed um her recognition and uh and and sort of shut down that love part really for a while. Um and and then I was in this situation where I was back in my childhood home and I'm 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 having to literally do everything for her. And there was a moment where I was upstairs in the bathroom and I could hear her downstairs listening to music. And, and I got very angry. I felt that like I was in a situation I didn't want to be in. I felt like I'm trapped here. I'm having to look after this person. I'm having to do everything for them, like bath them, everything. It's beyond my capabilities. Um, why is this happening to me? Um, you know, and in that moment, I kind of thought about my mission and I thought about community and I thought about being the main part I thought about was being magnificent, powerful and present. And I was like, how can I be magnificent, powerful and present in this situation? And literally I broke down crying because what I realized was the only way I was going to be able to care for this woman without being resentful of what I was having to do was I was going to have to open the door to love again, I was going to have to let my love for her back in, even though it may get used against me, even though I may not get it back in the way that I wanted to get it back. But the only thing I could do to be magnificent, powerful, and present in that situation uh, uh, and create a better world, at least for her at that stage and for me to be able to get through it, was to, to love her unconditionally. And, and that was a big step. That was a big thing I had to walk through. I had to let go of a lot of, uh, of childhood wounding to be able to do that. Um, so I would say that was the last real-time example where I had to use my mission to really be able to show up as the man I want to be because I wanted to run away in that time. I wanted to delegate my responsibility. I wanted to get someone else to look after her. Um, but that wouldn't have been aligned with the sort of man that 
I say I am, which takes responsibility for every yeah. aspect of his life and does the right thing. Powerful stuff, man. Thanks for sharing that. And have you found that since going through that experience that it's been, you've had more of an access to like being able to love? Oh yeah. I mean, I've lost, um, and I'm getting quite emotional talking about it, but over the last, uh, seven, eight years, I've lost a lot of people. You know, I've lost my father, I lost my mother, and I lost my son. Um, and every single one of those times has taught me to love more. Every single time. Because the easy thing, the thing that I wanted to do was go to anger. I wanted to become resentful and bitter. And what I realized is there's there's still, even though you lose people, there's still other people that need love, uh, including other family members and indeed myself. So every time I've been through something like that, I've learned to, to love more. And the more I learn to love, the more powerful I become. And that's, you know, it's one of the great lessons and gifts of the Mankind Project really was it taught me the emotional awareness it taught me the self gave me tools for self-awareness around that but also it gave me a group of men i mean there wasn't a day when i went through any of those situations there wasn't a day when i didn't have at least one or two men phone me up every single day and go how are you doing what do you need that's really in my experience that's really between men you know and not just Oh, it must be terrible. How about we go out for a drink? Like, no, let's, I'm here to talk about what's going on for you. All of it. Dark gets. And that was, that, that's been a lifeline, you know, in, in real terms, a lifeline. Yeah. And it, it reminds me of what you said earlier about, about brotherhood. And that, that feels like a, a true brotherhood there, man, which is, just can't really put a price on that. And, uh, Okay, so uh, let's get a little bit into, I mean, how much, I don't know, you can share about what actually happens during the uh, Warrior Training Weekend, but uh, I know Mart mentioned a bit about initiation of some sort. Can you perhaps talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I mean, we we tend not to talk about what happens on the weekend, and not because it's a sort of, not because it's a secret, um, but just because we treat it like a movie. You know, it's yeah, like, yeah, it's yeah. like there's certain elements that you want it to be a surprise. Right. Um, but, but it is based upon the idea of being a sort of a modern initiation into a different type of masculinity and masculinity that works for you. So it has some of the same elements. You go, you go on a hero's journey, you know, there's a separation from the world. There's a descent there. There's a reclaiming, um, so it follows a sort of traditional uh, hero's journey and it has elements of initiation um, and there's a physical, there's physical elements, there's emotional elements, there's mental elements, um, group activities, individual activities. Um, it's really, really, really challenging. Like I would say, I would say that it, it pushes, it's designed to push your buttons um, because um every man is completely different and we don't know the way in. And the only way we know the way into each man is by 
a little prod here, a little prod here, a little prod there. Oh, there's your one. Right, let's work with you. Oh, there's your thing. Let's work with you. So it's a funny experience because if you speak to men who have been through it, they'll tell you that different part was their breakthrough moment. Um, so it's a, it's a really cleverly crafted um, weekend, and, and that's why that's why we there's a covenant that protects its content around the world, meaning that it's delivered the same because it's so powerful. Awesome. Yeah. And you said, uh, mentioned about how it's sort of a different way or helps you approach masculinity in a different kind of way. Could you expand on that a little bit? Yeah. I mean, we approach improving the world by, by changing the world one man at a time. Right. And, and what that sort of, what's important about that one man at a time is it's not like we, and I say we in this terms, as the organization, as, as the sort of international brotherhood, from, from my understanding of it, we don't believe that there's like a cookie cutter approach to masculinity, like there's one type of man and you need to be that way. Um, we, we certainly know that a lot of the models that we've been given have been damaging to men. Um, and, you know, we have to do things around. I'm in in competition with every other man that there is. You know, I've got to be the top of this very tight pyramid of hierarchy, and I've got to fight my life to get through the top. We know that that has done damage. We only have to look around and damage done, not just to the individuals, but the damage that men do to other men, and and the damage that permeates throughout the society when you know when 50 percent of the population are not happy um and we and so we know there's elements that don't work but what we uh, but we don't come with a way of saying if like this, this this and this it will all be perfect for you we create a space where the man can really go inside and find the man he would have been before all these other things were forced onto him Carl Jung says that we go through life and we start to bend ourselves into shapes to be appropriate and to be accepted by our families and our cultures. And by the time we get to a certain age, we're so bent out of shape, we don't even know what shape we were supposed to be. And one of the things I believe that the NWTA does is it creates a space where you can explore what sort of shape you would be, what shape of man you would be if you hadn't had those restraints put upon you. And what we tend to find, uh, and this has been one of the revelations for me, is that once men start putting themselves into a shape they could have been, it's a really, really beautiful shape. They're really, really beautiful, loving creatures. And we hold, men hold this lovely balance between emotion and and strength and fierceness you know we, we when it's in balance we hold this too one thing i really loved is that i feel from the mankind project was i guess to view brotherhood and there is that sense but it's more like a sense of uh what i call healthy fathering it's like you know i'll carry you when you need to be carried and i'll push you when you need to be pushed and and so 
the NWTA sort of does that. It create it holds a space around them to look inside and go, how can I work? How can this life work for me? How would I be happy? What sort of man do I want to be? What are my real values? And then from that space go, okay, let me look at how, if this is the gift that I am to myself, how can I bring that gift out into the world? And that's where the, uh, the mission of service comes in. Um, but yeah, so it's, it's not a cookie cutter approach, but it allows a space for experimentation, but it holds certain things as true. Men are better when they're emotionally literate. Men are better when they live lives of accountability and integrity. Uh, and life, men are better when they're in service to something bigger than themselves. Love that. Yep. And it's like, uh, well, I've heard about how I guess through our evolution, we are sort of geared to be sort of fighting something. I don't use words fighting loosely, but whether it's like fighting against the neighboring tribe in the past or, or now it would be, I guess, fighting against the 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 matrix or you just fight against yourself if you're not fighting against anything so yeah uh, that is sort of a way of framing that but also uh, as you were speaking there i guess there's a question i wanted to ask you and that ties in quite nicely is like how would you define toxic masculinity if you actually think it exists to some degree because that's a big term that's thrown around a lot nowadays i think from my understanding of toxic masculinity how where the where where the phrase first came from um i believe toxic masculinity does exist um i think how it's it, how it's used now is incorrect so my understanding of it the frame toxic the, the the phrase toxic masculinity was defined as a description for a, a model of masculinity that men are asked to fit into. And the realization was that that model, it, it causes damage to others and to ourselves. And in that, if that's the, if that's the use of the phrase we use it, I believe that there is a model of toxic masculinity that is very, um, a model of masculinity that is very toxic, which is one of, it's me against the world. I'm the only thing that matters. Um, I've got to get all of mine at no matter what cost. I've got to get success, even if it means I destroy myself and those around me and even the planet. You know, th there are those models. I think what it's come to mean now is people use it as if masculinity is toxic. And I, I don't think it was ever meant to be used that way. Um, so I don't believe masculinity is toxic. I believe masculinity is absolutely beautiful. Some of the most beautiful creatures I've met on this planet are men. Um, but I believe there is a, a model that if we try and fit into it, it will destroy us and those around us. And so what would be your ideal of like, uh, I guess the divine masculine or, or the pot, the absolute positive parts of masculinity. Man, I mean, it's a complicated thing, but yeah, this is know. what comes up. It's like, it's almost, it sounds almost silly to say, but it's like, what makes a man a man? Like in this, it, it's coming up this question. It really is. I mean, it is, it is a very difficult question. Um, 
I mean, uh, well, I, how I think of it is, again, go back to Jung, who has a fantastic quote where he says, I don't seek to be a good man. I seek to be a whole man. Right. And I think when masculinity is at its best, um, we we realize that we are we are really powerful on this side. And we also know that we're dangerous on this side. Right. And we know that we're we're loving on this side. And we know that you know what? If I have to be cold, I can be cold on this side. And when we're aware, when when I'm aware of my gold and my shadow, then I become the best version of myself. If I if I try and put away that I'm dangerous, if you know, like you were saying before, fighting fighting something has been at the core of what men have done, right? It's only it's only a few thousand years ago, you know, ten thousand years ago, we're fighting woolly mammoths, right? It's like which in evolution is is a blink of an eye. So if you don't think there's a stone cold killer inside you, you're mistaken, right? There is something that I have to believe that given the right circumstances, I would do what other men have done, which is mean I would kill if I had to, but I have to believe that. And when I believe that about myself, when I know that I have that, then I become safe because I know I have that. And that power that comes with that, with knowing that means I can be a force for good. If I'm trying to hide that behind myself, it comes out. It comes out and we see it in in a lot of abusive behavior we see. That's, that's when a man has not touched his masculinity in a healthy way and realized I am powerful. But being powerful makes me a powerful ally. It doesn't mean I have to have power over you. It means I can have power to support you. I can have power to make things happen. I can have, I can have, I have access to resources. I have access to all of this stuff, which I can put it together and give it laser focus for the good of the world. If 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 I t- if I give my power away, I'm then I'm just useless. So it's about it. There is a there's a there's a beauty that comes with masculinity. And to answer your question in that way, like what does it mean to be masculine? I think it means to to have your strength, to know your strength, to know your power, to know your value. Um, but not to not to use it over, but to use it with. Yeah, yeah, and I guess uh, tying into that, it's sort of related, and you've you've partially answered it, but it's another question in and of itself. Is like, do you think somebody can be too masculine? Is that even possible? I think people can go too far into the model of masculinity. You know, I think it's a very uh it, it is a very amorphic thing you know by its nature because i don't even know if my experience of being a human is the same as your experience of a human really right so let alone me being able to sit here and go everyone's experience of being a man is exactly the same or everyone's experience yeah. of being a masculine man we're a really complicated creature you know i think it was Nietzsche who said we're like a you know, we're, we're the, we've got the body of a monkey and a mind that can create universes, you know, got a mind that thinks it's the God. So, you know, it would be naive for me to think that everyone's experience of being a man, being masculine or whatever is exactly the same, but there seems to be certain elements. And, and I think people can go too far with being, 
with the model of masculinity. I think Andrew Tate's a perfect example. He's a, he's a parody of masculinity. You know, he's he's taken everything that I thought we'd fought and hard to get away from in the 1950s and repackaged it and put a new label on it and is parading it as masculinity. Do you know what? Being a pimp is not is not masculine. Yeah, that's a that's a big subject. Is the the, the Tate subject in the phenomenon of of why he's got so popular and and uh, and yeah, I don't think uh, anyone can agree with the the webcam business that that's 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 highly questionable. But uh, then, I guess what what would you say that uh, you fought with fought men people have fought to get away from that he's now bringing back? I think. You know, and don't get it. Don't get me wrong. There's certain elements of what he talks about. I, I think is great. You know, but you've got to take the person by their whole thing. You know, we know from world leaders that some of their policies are really good, but then they have massive ones which are terribly bad. And I think you, you've got to you you, you 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 can't sort of justify people by saying they have a few good ideas. Hitler had a few good ideas and a load of really really terrible ones. Right. So it, you can't justify people just because they have a few good beliefs. But he does have a few things. I think looking after yourself, what's wrong with that? You know, wanting to be responsible for your own life. Absolutely. Being able to take full responsibility for the consequences of your actions. We'll see how far he goes with that soon, I'm sure. But that's that's um, those things are good. But he seems to be around, I think hypercapitalism is a really damaging part of, of masculinity, which I think we got away from. You know, you can't, and I've worked with men who have had so much and it really doesn't buy you happiness. I know it's a cliche, but it really doesn't. It's about how you serve what brings happiness. It's about how you serve. That's what brings meaning. If you're if he's he's about just making more and more and more and more money, it doesn't matter at the cost of what, and that that is not good. You know that is a damaging element of of masculinity, I believe, a damaging tenant of masculinity. Um, having power over others, that's a, that's a damaging uh, obsession of masculinity. You know, believing that there's only one way to do things, that's not good either. You know, I think I, I, I was really hoping and it seemed like we were for a long time in 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 80s uh, and early 90s with feminism and all of that, where we were getting to a place where we were getting towards more of an individual idea where the individual became uh, freer to choose how they wanted to live their life um, rather than having solid models that seem to work for everyone and so i think anything that creates a solid model of because you are this you have to behave like that is is not welcome in my personal view yeah and, and, I, I, and I and i think andrew tate takes us towards that yeah i can relate is uh like everyone's has their own sort of unique journey to to go through right and uh i've seen at least from my own journey there'll be certain teachings or beliefs that at one point in my life i just didn't resonate with and they didn't work for me but then later on as i get a bit older suddenly ah that falls into place now that makes sense or that person seems more appealing to listen to and so on 
but just whilst we're touching on on tape, what about his? Okay, some of the things that he says about women are clearly just ridiculous. It's a joke. It's just not to be taken seriously. But some other parts, he's clearly quite passionate about the way he believes the the man woman dynamic should play out. What what do you think about that? I think as soon as we get into shoulds, we're getting into dangerous territory, right? It's like there are certain elements which I think are almost undeniable. Uh, like, for example, if you get if you get two mice in a laboratory, right, and you stick one full of testosterone, one full of estrogen, you're going to get two very different rats. Right, you're gonna get two very different mice, right? And that's 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 we looked at that, I think, as humans, and and then we used quite a blunt tool to expand it out. So we were like, right, there's men, there's women. That's a man's thing to do, that's a woman's thing to do. As soon as you get into that, then you're like, men should do this, men should do that. Once you get into shoulds, you're getting into dangerous territory because we're all different right we're all different and what the research will show is left to our own devices um and i know jordan peterson talks about this a lot you know left to our own devices we tend to fall into different roles we uh, we tend to fall into men will do more of this women will do more of that regardless right that this tends to happen that's okay if it's tending to happening that's okay but you've got to think about those the few who don't fit into that, right? So the girl who wants to be an engineer and the boy who wants to uh, be a nurse, hairdresser, whatever it is, right, that don't normally fit the gender roles. As soon as you get into shoulds, those few have to feel bad about themselves or have to question themselves or feel like that they don't fit. And that few is too many, right? Because if we honestly believe... If Jordan Peterson and people like that honestly believe left to our own devices, we'll fall into a kind of largely orderly by agenda, then, then allow that to happen and drop the shoulds and then we'll be okay. Okay, yeah. So you're suggesting that uh, there, there there is a, a general sort of way that the dynamic plays out that usually works, but then there are exceptions to the rule. And would you say that also applies into like in a, in a relationship between a man and a woman i mean generally generally yeah i mean i look around and of course it's a it's a you know you're getting into a nature nurture debate is it because that's the common way but generally when you look throughout history there tends to be a sort of groove that we fall into and you know i, I took and i can only talk about it personally but in my in, in me and my partner, we tend to enjoy that paradigm. You know, that, that tends to work for us. But then I know people who that doesn't work for. And so that's why I, I there's an there's basically a bit of an anarchist in me, right? And and so I, I get I get nervous when things become like you're this, so you have to be that. You're that, you have to be that. If you if you like that, you like that. You know, I would I would like to think that. If I were to have a daughter, which is kind of unlikely now, I have one son. But if I was to have a daughter, I'd like to think that she would have all the freedoms that my son had. 
and that and that means not just the legal ones but the social ones let him dress how he wants to dress let her dress how they want to dress it's it's dangerous when we start putting prescriptive stuff to it if we believe that it's the natural way of stuff then just let it ride out and that's where we'll get to okay interesting all right so uh, just a couple more things here that you've been speaking about as we've been going through the show here. What would it mean for someone to be emotionally literate? Oh, that's you know what that's a really really great question, right? Because it was one of the biggest gifts for me was first stage of being emotionally literate is is actually understanding what what I'm feeling. So for a long time, I didn't know what I was feeling. Every emotion I had felt like anger, like every single one. It was like if I was sad, I was angry. If I was fearful, I was angry. Um, I, I didn't know what I was feeling. So that's the first part of being emotional literate is kind of understanding what's going on for me. The second part of being emotionally literate is being able to then explain that to another person in a language where they have half a chance of understanding it. Um, so it's being able to feel my emotions cl clearly and it's being able to express my emotions clearly, including my wants around those emotions. Powerful. Okay, cool. And so if there was someone listening to this uh, that wanted to perhaps get involved with the Mankind Project, how would they go about all of that? Uh, so the easiest way, I mean, depending on, where you're listening to this is there they'll very probably be a local community to you um and you can go on the uh you know google it you'll find it mankind project go on the website uh you'll find information there about the nwta and how to sign up you'll probably also find if you reached out uh to the email on there local groups in your area so you might be able to go and meet some men first and foremost yeah, I would say they're they're your best ways to get in contact. Really, I mean, if you if you are listening to this from the UK and Ireland, as is mankindprojectuki.org, um, and if you can't find something in your area, just go to the email in there. Drop us an email; we'll help you find the community in, from wherever in the world you are. Brilliant, thanks, Lawrence. Have you got anything else you'd like to share with the people? What's I got to hear? Yeah, I mean, I would just like to share that there's lots of organisations out there. For, for men's work you know and like one of the things that i'm very passionate about is that it this is this is not a competition you know we're fighting for men's hearts and minds um so whether you decide to do something with the mankind project or whether you decide to do something with another organization if you're a man listening to this at least have the experience once of being in a men's group with other men at least reach out and try men's work in some way what we call the work in some way there's something really really profound and beautiful that comes when men come together uh, in, a, in a kind of structured format that let, lets us leave the masks outside and come in and kind of just be with each other and create community with each other. It's a truly amazing thing. And it's had a, 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 a dramatic influence on my life. 20 years I've been involved and I'm a different man the day I went into the day I came out. So 
what I would like to say is, you know, do it, get involved. And especially if you're, you know, the, the, the conversation we were having about what it means to be a man and, you know, what masculinity is. And and just to be clear, you know, they're, they're my views on this because the Mankind Project aims to open itself up to all men to be able to explore what masculinity and being a man means to them. So especially if you are one of those men that thinks, do you know what, being in a big group of men, I'd find that really intimidating or are oh, that, you know, men's groups, those things, they're not for men like me, whatever that means. Take a risk. And I, th I think you'll be surprised um, at all the different shapes, sizes, varieties, flavors of men that there are in the world that when they come together, manage to find the spaces where we're similar rather than where we're different and co-create a magnificent experience between us all. And, you know, and that experience alone, if we could ripple that out into the world, make it okay for all men to be together and, and accepting of each other, regardless of age, race, sexuality, all of that stuff, what an amazing world it would be. That's uh, that's playing our part, I think. So if you're listening to this, give it a try. You know, what's the worst that can happen? Absolutely, man. An amazing world it would be. And we get there one man at a time. I love that. Powerful. Well, thank you for joining me, Lawrence. It's been very insightful. Great. Fantastic. Thank you for inviting me. Cheers.